podcast. podcast. Do do Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. From Delco. Four house on the hill. Boop, oh, boop. yeah, that's a You're on speakerphone, and I'm recording Great. you. And I'm recording. Great. Um, how are you? No, I mean that's great. That's great. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Um, although, like, I would, I didn't wanted to talk to you too. So, like, after the podcast, don't hang up. Okay. Um, talk to you about like super secret stuff that we only do for the Patreon episode. Well, I was gonna say yes. We'll we'll record the Patreon episode after this. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So you're listening to two hosts from Delco. Um. We're very. I'm very high energy today. Just kidding. I'm not. Yeah, same. I'm super low energy. I seriously. I'm laying in bed right now. Um, I, so this is like, I have been going to church again. Um, Good for you. Yeah. I like, you know, I haven't really made the plunge. Like I'm not going to like confession or, or like receiving communion or anything like that. Um, because you know, I'm not sure like really, I'm still like, you know, honest, like, I don't know. I don't know if I really believe that Jesus was the son of God and, and died for our sins so that we can um, have eternal life in heaven. I don't know that I believe that, but I do believe in Jesus's teachings. Like I do yeah. like um, find comfort in, in um, that sort of spirituality. And I also feel like connected to my ancestry by going to church you know because I was I'm from like generations and generations of Catholics so and I really kind of need that in my life right now feeling that's awesome yeah like so that's why I'm going to church and in any case yeah my whole point in like even discussing this is because today is Ash Wednesday oh yeah did you go it's um did you get your fucking ashes well, um, I'm going to the 7:30 mass. So after you're gonna get your ashes. Oh man, you better send me a picture of that shit. Yeah, I will. Although I'm not sure how they're gonna do ashes this year, like because of COVID. Oh yeah. They oh might... my god, yeah. How do they even do communion? They don't they care. Just do it? They just do it. They just don't care. Then they'll just yeah. do it. Then they'll just do the ashes. Um. Well, one thing I heard that they were how they were doing it is like they do the ashes with a cotton swab and then they burn the cotton they burn all the cotton swabs which seems like really ridiculous to me so yeah, that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard yeah so um another well, one was like giving out fucking communion who gives a shit everyone's like got their hands all over each other and in their mouths like no they're just gonna do it yeah i mean well i even so i you know i did get communion like one time because i was like wanted to get communion communion like i was like i don't care that i haven't been to confession in 25 years i want to i want to eat the body of christ 
And yeah. um, so I did go out to communion and um, they were like, um, the priest, like, I was like, how do you do this with the mask? Like, you know, I figure I'll collect it, you know, instead of saying amen and like spraying all over the priest, like I would collect it and then go off to the side. Well, I would say amen, but I would leave my mask on and then I would go off to the side and pull my mask down and then eat the um, Eucharist. And the priest was like, so I go up there and the priest is like, wouldn't give me the Eucharist until I pulled my mask down. Like a little what? pervert mask person. Priest. Yeah. he. I was getting bad priest vibes from this guy. Yeah. Ugh. And um, so whatever. I, you Ew, know. That's like a weird control thing. Like, isn't that, that weird? Like, fucked up. Yes, yeah. I thought it was weird up. too because- I had gotten like communion before and I swear that's the way I did it with the mask. Like I just left it on. Yeah. And said, amen. And then like, then pulled the mask down and ate the Eucharist. But this priest was like, no, yeah, he was just a boundary crosser. He crossed her fucking boundaries. You didn't want to do it that way. He made you fucking do it that way because he was in power in that situation. Yeah. That fucking piece of shit. So that's my other thing. So this church is the same church that mm-hmm. my great-grandparents went to. And it's actually, mm-hmm. I'm in this parish now. I, I somehow moved into the same parish that my great-grandparents. That's awesome. Yeah. And my um, grand... I would be interested what? to go to that church. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I like, it's so weird. I don't know that I ended up moving after, you know, my great-grandparents moving here from like Ireland we're in the 1800s went to this church and now I'm in that same neighborhood. It's so weird. That's cool. I think that's like a reason enough to go and be part of the parish, honestly. Yeah. And like my grandmother went there and my dad was baptized at this church. Oh yeah. So like it's your family's parish. Like yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that how that would be like, give you like a grounding connection to like your family and, and yeah. you know, not just like the idea of like going to a Catholic church, but like that Catholic church. Yeah. That's exactly. really cool. Yeah. And then though, but the priests, both of them suck. Both the priests that. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, human beings suck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, but I like. Think- yeah, teachings of Jesus are great. It's it's us that fucked the whole thing up and made it a sick power twisted fucking child molestation thing. But the first priest, um, the first mass I went to that made me be like, okay, I want to go to mass again. Was it was it at St. Charles, um, in um, Delaware County? Um, mm-hmm. What I think it's St. Charles Bartholomew or something Barameo. Yeah, I think it's Barameo. Oh. I think you're right. That's yeah. definitely a place. And um, so it was, I went there to that um, church with my mom and it was really like the priest, that, like it was, you know, said the gospel and the um, the priest homily was like so beautiful. I was like crying in church and I was kind of like, it really like, it was just so beautiful. And I was like, oh, I, I want to go back to church because like, yeah. You know, I like hearing stories from the Bible and feeling this connection. And um, and basically he was just telling his homily was like about like it was like the gospel was like Jesus, like um, just pulling all the apostles from their 
they were all like fishing, you know, because that's uh-huh. what all the apostles did. They're all fishermen. And Jesus, Jesus comes walking down. Fisher of men. Yeah. And Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. And he's coming out and he's like, let come, tell, come to me. I'm going to, I want to baptize you. And like everyone just like leaves their job and goes to Jesus to get baptized. Like because they're like his apostles or disciples, whatever. And um, the priest homily was like, so like what was what's your story like if jesus were to come to you and and say he wanted to baptize you would you drop everything that you were doing and go to jesus and like um and then to think about you know your own relationship with god throughout your life and the times that he has called to you and stuff and it just was like really i was like crying in church i was like oh my god beautiful oh, that's yeah that's, then that's a, an amazing spiritual moment yeah it really was and then i go to this place and this church and the priests like both suck um uh, well, the one priest has I mean, what sometimes no just sometimes it's not com- sometimes like the message is coming through a channel that's like tuned into you and sometimes it's coming through a channel that's fucking not and like it just but that's that doesn't mean point. you can't get something from it too yeah i think like um, you are ultimately going to find your own thing no matter where you go but like the message is coming to you just like in a different way or whatever that's kind of like really weird and trite like a thing and none would say but like um it is and um also i have found that a lot of the time for me personally when i really like don't like someone sometimes i learn the most from them yeah like, i will say if I continue to hang in there in the situation i'm gonna I'm try like, oh, like i don't really like this or like like honestly like a lot of the time where i'm like kind of stuck in a situation with a person due to circumstances are you talking about I this podcast yeah, I'm talking about you specifically. Yeah. Yes, just in life. I'm like, this uh-huh. person won't leave me alone. But like, ultimately, you know, in the last 25 years, I've learned a little bit from you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but you know, it, it's, uh, yeah. you, you're going to learn something from them regardless. I really think um, with, I don't know, the one priest that sucks, he, what, why he sucks is that he's act, he's a bad performer. Like he, mm. he stutters and he also like writes out his homily and then but like he doesn't read from it very well like he'll like start a thought and then have to Aww. look down at the paper again and then like and then though because it took him so long between like one thought to the next that it's incoherent like you don't understand what he's even really talking about um yeah. like he even messed up when he was in he makes announcements at the end of the church and at the end of mass and like he even messed up the announcement for ash wednesday because it was like just all he had to do was say the times of mass and he like messed it up like and then and he didn't correct himself he just messed it up and then we're like all of us are sitting there in church like wait when the hell is like when are the mass times like he was like 9 30 uh no 9 7 15 8 uh no like 7 and then that was it that was his announcement. And we were like, what the fuck? Well, that's, I mean, no wonder he stutters because his fucking church flock goes there, judges him, and then leaves <laughs> and goes home and goes on a podcast and fucking rips him a new asshole. I totally am. <laughs> I would stutter too. But I, luckily they have a website. Well, I mean, they have a website. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to the website and see what the times Don't are. Don't leave a Google review. All horrible. Because this, <laughs> this priest is like a retard and doesn't know how to talk in public. 
Um, I really wish you would go give the church a bad Google review. <laughs> I, I well, there are Yelp reviews for for churches. Are. I bet there are. I'm gonna have to go read some. Holy fuck! I never even thought about this, but I digress. Um, and so, and then the other priest is like really arrogant. Like he's like overly confident, and like he's kind of annoying. Like because he's like overly confident, and he's the one who made me pull my mask down when I went to go get communion. <laughs> I forgot how funny it is. Just for any listener that doesn't know us, like we went to Catholic high school together. Like we spent tons of time together in church and we constantly ripped it apart. And like Beth, this is like so funny to me listening. This is like great listening to you just critique the church. He, like your church experience, please go. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. Well, you, I know, but the next thing. thing that happened was so then though then the next readings, the other masses. So I've been going to mass now for like a month. So the next readings and the the preceding week started to make me feel guilty, of course, because that's mm, what Catholic yeah. church. That's what church does to you. Yes. Um, mm. But no, the the readings were like about. Um, like just Jesus casting out like demons from people and the, and then all the like the, the Old Testament like Leviticus was like about lepers like not obeying and being unclean and and shit like that so then I started to be like okay I think God's trying to tell me I really shouldn't be receiving communion so um I haven't been receiving communion but in any case the last um, mass I went to, too, it was after it was like there was that ice storm on Saturday. So yeah, I've been I doing know. I've I been know. doing the vigil. I like Saturday night mass. That's what I. Oh, that's nice. Um, I, I like going to church at night. Yeah. And also they have an organist and a, um, someone singing, too, um, on Saturdays. So it's really nice. That uh, is nice. I like that part. So, but in any case, it was like an ice storm on Saturday and they like, I, I mean, I can't really blame the church, but like they didn't like ice the steps or they didn't, I mean, um, salt the steps. And oh, I, that's illegal, I think. Well, the thing is with this ice storm, what I mean by I'm, I think they probably did like oh, salt the steps. Down there, I heard. Yeah, but it was really bad. So I think it was like by the time we got out of church. Like it was like whatever. Yeah. It's like you had to like constantly because like we were salting my sidewalk out front of our house, our house. And I was like resalting like five million times, like because it was like you were you would salt it, but it would get Mm -hmm. icy like like an hour later. So, yeah, I think that's what happened there. But um, so I then, though, because I fell on my way into church because I like rode my bike there, which was stupid. And I fell like coming up on the sidewalk cause it was icy. And I, mm-hmm. then I get into church and I'm like, Oh, I think I forgot my phone because I couldn't find my phone. I went to go like put it on silent for mass and I couldn't find it. And I was like, Oh, probably when I fell on ice, the ice out there, it may, might've <sighs> slipped out of my pocket. So I went outside to see, and then I slipped and fell on the steps outside of church, oh. like really bad, actually. I heard it. That's what I heard. It was like if anyone who went outside was like that. Yeah, it was like you. There was like I've dealt with ice before. No, this was like really, really bad. Like there was no yeah. um, getting out of it. Um, so I. Uh, so I'm. I'm also inking. I'm like. Um, multitasking here i'm like working okay. on a, i'm working on a comic right now too nice. um but in any case so i go outside and um 
fell on my ass really bad. I definitely was like, felt like God was, did that to me on purpose. Um, but in any well, case, that's cause you're, that's because the Catholic church made you think that way. Um, it God's did not like that. I feel like God's not like that in my heart, but yeah, yeah. I mean, fair enough. You that's one of the that. things that I've been that's like, the, you know, that's, that's what they all think. That's what they all think COVID is. And they think that because if they go to church and they think they don't have to worry about the fucking communion cause they think God will save them, which is like really frustrating. But yeah. again, yeah, I mean, and I God was like, that's kind of like the stuff I'm like, the the fact that my brain went there, I was kind of like, maybe church isn't good for me. The fact that I'm back in this environment, and I'm already thinking God's like punishing me with an ice storm. But no, um, I think you're like revisiting it to grow to a new level spiritually and emotionally. That's what I think. Yeah. I, I think need to work so through too. some shit with it. I think that's what it is. And, but like when I, then after church, um, I'm out there and I'm out there with the other, other people who I was in, who were in church with me. And, um, we were all like looking at the steps, like afraid to go down them because apparently everyone slipped and fell on the way into church. Yeah. And, the, and we were all like, Oh God, how are we going to get down the steps? And this one guy and like, God was like, here, let me <laughs> bring out the sun. <laughs> um no but like this one woman this older woman i was at the top of the steps with she goes i think i broke my wrist on the way in (laughs) and she also yeah she she went through church she went through church with a broken wrist so she's like i think i broke my wrist and i was like let me see and we're also trying to be like social distance you know and she pulls her wrist out and it's like wavy her wrist is like wavy. Oh. She's like, but then she's like moving her fingers still. She goes, oh I can still move my fingers. So I think I'm oh fine. God. And I was looking at her. I was oh, like, you are not like, fine. I'm kind of in shock. Oh, yeah. Please. I was like, you are not fine. Your wrist is like wavy. Like it shouldn't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time in the back of my head, I was thinking this lady must have done something really bad. Cause like, I fell, but I'm like, you know, okay. But she broke her wrist. You just got a warning. You got a warning. She got a literal slap on the wrist from Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> she got a fucking hammer. Came up the with wrist. his ruler. And, um, and she got Zeus's hammer to the wrist. And the other thing too, I felt really helpless though because I wanted to help her, but like I, I was like, where you need to go to the hospital. I was telling her, and she's like, I'm just gonna yeah. go to like an urgent care or something. I was like. I was like trying They're to tell her. To hospital, sweetie. Yeah, I was like, it's really broken, and she's like, I'm fine. And then I'm like, it's really broken. And then I was like, you like, I can't help her down the steps because I'm falling too. Yeah, like, I think yeah. it would be even worse if I helped her. I um, think you're right. And so, but then I was like, I remember that they had a ramp, and I was like, they have a ramp on the other side. You should, you should try to go down the ramp. And and then she was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna do that, and that's what she did. And but okay. I was like, um. Yeah, it was, like, really disgusting. Her wrist was, like, wavy. And I was, like, you need to go to the hospital. Oh, God. Um, oh, no. And then oh, I wavy. actually, I ended up walking home um, because it was so bad. Yeah, um, well, yeah, you shouldn't so, have been riding your bike, asshole. Well, I rode my bike <laughs> earlier in the day, and it was, like, fine. And usually the roads, because there's so much salt on them, are fine. Like, they're not as slippery. 
but yeah. um, not the case. The salt no, did that's shit. What, that's what I heard. It was no joke. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to walk home. What I also loved about that when I was walking my bike, everyone was so concerned for me. Like, everyone was like, um, be careful. Don't get on your bike. I'm like, I'm not. I'm walking because I'm not <laughs> like riding my bike. obviously not going to. Yeah. yeah, I'm not That's riding it. Hilarious. <laughs> um, thank you for oh, your concern. They were trying. Yeah, thank you for your concern. I'm not riding it. That's why I'm walking on the sidewalk next to you because I'm not riding my bike right now. Um, anyway, I also have so today's the first day of Lent. You're supposed to, and I'm kind of interested in doing this because um, I like the idea of fasting, like because not because I have an eating disorder or anything. But um, just the idea, I think fasting reminds you um, of like, it, it like keeps you, it's like, it, it reminds you that your spirit is not of your body. It's like a spiritual like um, reminder that we are like more than our body, you know, mm-hmm. does that mm-hmm. make, I don't, I don't know why it sounds so weird to me saying something that me makes so much sense to me in my head but um no I don't think I've heard people say that like I've heard people say similar things about it yeah and like even like again I'm reading this mind um beyond death book on buddhism and um they they talk about that in meditation like um mm-hmm. like being celibate for instance is like something that monks do to like mm-hmm. rem- it's like a, a reminder that they're that this is not real that their spirit is um that your body is just like a vessel and you know blah mm-hmm. blah um, and it also yeah. it helps and if you're looking at it too from a buddhist context like it helps you to um it helps to extinguish suffering by helping to extinguish um like craving so yes. if you're used to like fasting like every time like you eat you're like every time you do so every time you have a craving for something and you satisfy that craving like you're going to have that craving again mm-hmm. so like I think that a part of it too for monks and stuff but I would also think it would like just serve the same function for catholic monks or whatever um in the west like it can it just helps you to get over like the idea that like if you want something you're gonna die if you can't get it yeah but which like yes goes into your thing about yeah like you're more than like this earth you're more than this body like you don't have to give it every single thing at once like you're gonna be okay and like you can suffer and be uncomfortable and like it's fine yeah um, but it's so hard to know that in your, like, just to feel that way. Day to day. Like, it's hard to get it. Yeah. And, like, it's, and also just being mindful of a fast for, you know. Right. Yeah. Is, is super, I'm, I'm interested. I don't think I ever really, like, have actually done Lent, even though I was raised Catholic. I think maybe I, I did, like, something stupid when I was little, like, um, but this is, I would say, because I pretty much stopped going to church when I was like 14, 15 years old. So yeah. I don't recall like actually ever fasting or whatever. Um, but I'm doing, I'm giving up alcohol, which I actually is not a big deal because I've been doing that. Um, yeah. 
and weed, no weed. And that's also not a big deal because I've been doing that. So then to make it more tough, I'm doing, um, I'm giving up like my candy, like dessert stuff, which is because I usually have something sweet in the evening. And I think I've been turning to that because I don't drink. Um, yeah, I mean, that happened to me in a big way. It's, it's talked about a lot with yeah. alcoholics and just people who are used to drinking because you're just, you do, your body is just used to having sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like drinking sugar. Yeah. So I do you, have you gotten past that? Like you don't, you don't eat ice it cream. It is now. a lot better than it. Oh yeah. It's better than it used to be. But yeah, I mean, you know, I would have these cravings every single night. Like I would have yeah. to have ice cream and like, it was so fucking intense and it became, because I get. Like, I think that my addiction is really rooted in, like, uh, fundamentally, I think that I have, like, OCD um, mm-hmm. and, like, other issues going on that, w- that also, like, make it harder, you know, harder for me to, like, resist those impulses if I'm not practicing resisting those impulses. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, I would think about the ice cream all day <laughs> and I would, oh, like, and I would be, like, no, like, you're not, because I was, like, wasted. It was at a time, especially right at the beginning where... I did not have much of an income. Like I, I didn't didn't have the money to get, but it like had and to be were, a specific you had to kind of ice cream. cream. Well, it was like I had to have a specific kind of ice cream. It became like such oh, an okay. obsession, and I would like fight. I like went on for so long, and I would like fight with myself about it. And be like, no, you're not going to do that. So it became like a really specific. Like I had to have like Hagen Dazs chocolate peanut peanut butter ice cream. Which if you had it, you would first of all understand why. Um, but like it was, it just got to the point. I had to have this specific thing. I had to have it every single night. And I also was like not eating a lot during the day because I had so much anxiety at that time. And like, so it was just like this like vicious. My God, this is like my Ash Wednesday experience right now. This is like what? This is your, this is my Ash Wednesday experience thus far because you're also not supposed to, you're only supposed to eat um one small meal in the morning and then dinner you're not supposed to eat for the rest of the day that's, yeah that's the I don't average do, Lent fast i am not somebody who would probably do fasting as i like i just because yeah i don't think it's, it would be good for me um, yeah i mean and also they do specify that it's according to like your own health benefits like it's not like yeah. mandatory that you fast for lent it's just if you, you know, are in a right place for it that you should. Um, gotcha. And uh, but no meat on Fridays still, or will you? Be, it's will you consider like going meatless for a Lent? Because I feel like you're a low meat person. Yeah, it's no meat. Um, uh, yeah, but the thing is, I wonder like, because I eat fake meat, which is like very much. Like, I know, I don't know. It's, it's tasty. I'm fine with fake meat. Like, I don't, yeah, I like fake meat. you know, I'm fine with it. And I'm, I also, I wonder if like, that's really okay. Like, should I give up fake meat too? Like, is it well, like I mean, to like make you not have pleasurable eating experiences or is it like, because the cow is unclean or some shit? I think, no, I, I, I don't know why the meat thing. Um, I, I really don't know. But I do think that it has more of, like, I would think to do with, do you really, really like the fake meat? Like, do you crave it? Do you feel like it would be hard to go without it? I yeah, think it would be. I think that's hard to go without. It would be. So, but I think I'm going to break that rule, though. I don't care. 
because it would be no hard. but also that's <laughs> like you're not sitting in a monastery either like you're not just like an old lady who like is like you know living in a village and like fucking just like all she does is like cook and go to church because she you know no like you're like riding your bike around you're cleaning fucking houses yeah like, you need food it's like you're not some you can't you know you're not like a you i found that when i when i was like in my early 20s and i did my yoga teacher training and i like made all these like changes really quickly and um it was completely inappropriate for like the amount of of like I, what I was doing physically in addition to like the yoga stuff like because I was like I started to be like eat less and like more of a vegetarian and started to try to follow these like strict dietary rules and like that is not good for you that like I feel like that like made me crash oh you looked really good during your yoga I know I really did but um I don't <laughs> think that it really helped me um at all spiritually I think it like drains my energy like my like fundamental energy and made me less balanced as a person because Uh I it was like such a quick intense like bunch of changes and like the changes that I did were not really suitable for my lifestyle Mm -hmm. like that wasn't going to help me in my spiritual journey like if I didn't have enough energy to think yeah I have a headache today from skipping lunch Mm. I don't, yeah, I don't You'll always, that. You'll be fine. yeah, I don't always eat lunch anyway, though, like, so that's not really that hard for me, and lunch for me, I usually have, like, a snack or something, I'm, like, a snacker, like, I can't have a full lunch, if I have a full lunch, I feel like taking a nap or something, Same. so I, I don't have to really eat do soup, that. yeah, like, I, I can't I eat anything more than that. But, um, so, but anyway, I have, now I have, I'm low energy, and I have a headache, um, but well, whatever. I feel like you'll just get used to skipping lunch because also for us, for our generation, um, we grew up with like the idea that like skipping meals was horrible and like you had to eat every four hours and all this shit. And now it's like intermittent fasting. So people just eat one meal a day mm-hmm. and that people used to be like, that's horrible for you. Like now, like, you know, it, it's considered to be more healthy. So you'll be fine. That's a good segue into our topic for today's podcast, I think. Um, because, How? well, because we're today's our topic of the podcast today is Bill Hicks, yes. and I think like when discussing Bill Hicks, it's important to keep in mind that he died like thirty years ago, and his comedy is like thirty years old. I mean, wait, we're talking about the nineties, so his yeah. comedy is like thirty years old, right? Yeah. Two. Th- yeah. 2000 2010 yeah oh my god his comedy is like 30 years old and um and our culture has changed uh, a lot since then um and I think like whenever I have to I don't even really like to tell people that Bill Hicks is like one of my favorite comedians anymore because it's like either I have to listen to them because I get this a lot too that people like be like he's not funny or whatever um and I get why people are like he's not funny because he's not like a ha-ha punchline stand-up comic like it's not like that um yeah no it cuts deep yeah it cuts deep but um also though so I'm usually like if people aren't into him I think like they're I I think they have a valid well I think they have a valid point it's just not their kind of comedy that they like you know no, it's um, specific. But I, I don't really feel like explaining to people 
why he's funny who don't think he's funny. So that's always really annoying to me because I really don't feel like having this like technical comedic discussion on why Bill Hicks is funny. Um, But at the, well, I guess I do because we're going to talk about him in the podcast. But the other thing is, is that he is very, he's very much so politically incorrect and he was politically incorrect during in his time. He was considered politically incorrect. So now by today's standards, like listening, I was like listening to his really early stand up before um, we were recording. And I was like, really like, oh, my God, what what is this one called? Uh, yeah, I'm curious because it's I... called Sane Man. It's from 1989. OK. Um, and it's like there's like a lot in there where I'm like, yeah, I mean, if. Like, there are, people would be, like, really offended by his shit. Like, uh, like what? Like, um, racist? Like, misogyny? Misogyny, yeah. I think, is, like, his big thing. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, and I always thought that. But the thing is, like, I, I think there's a place for misogyny. Like, because I would say it's misogyny because... He talks like um, candidly about being gay, and like he he like makes he, he makes fun of gay men in in a okay, way. Okay, so like there's making fun of gay men, like yeah, yeah, and, and this then is 1989. Yes, and also there's like he like is you know um, for instance the like I like I love his like advertisement like he's very anti advertising. Um, and like, he'll, yeah. And he always talks about like, you know, celebrities that are like, um, um, you know, not authentic artists and they're sucking Satan's cock. And he does this whole elaborate, like, um, like sketch about sucking Satan's cock to the point where he's like literally sucking on the microphone and making the noise of sucking cock. And to a lot of people, I think that would be really offensive to them in the sense that it's like um, misogynistic towards like sucking dick or something. I don't know because it's considered a bad thing. Maybe a lot of people like sucking dick. Good for them. You know, I I don't know. I just feel like that that might be like something insulting, but, um, you know, and he's like very, he was like making a joke about like Tiffany, um, who's the, this musician, like teen musician who used to play at the malls like in the 80s and he's like making fun of her but like he was also then going I I mean I forgot what the other it was like Tiffany I'm trying to think of all the like 80s female um singers but I can't I mean Madonna I think it was Debbie um, Debbie Gibson Debbie Gibson right so he was so he goes into this like rant where he's like makes this like pornographic scene between Debbie Gibson and Tiffany and he's talking Uh, about like their like um peach fuzz vaginas like and open them like them eating each other out like opening a little cantaloupe and like and yeah and he's like really graphic getting into this like um and obviously these are two like underage um girls and he's talking about their vaginas in a pornographic mm. way. And that is really fucking, like, um, graphic. Yeah, and, I can see what you were saying about people might think it's offensive today. Yeah, and but the thing is, at the same time, 
I like think it's. I'm sorry, but I. I guess the. By the way, we're done with sections of the podcast, so whatever. Um, the apology section's done. You can't make me apologize for any of this shit. But I thought it was funny. I think it's funny. I like when people go on the dark, the dark end of like, you know, go into the dark parts of their psyche. And obviously, this like one part of his skit, like he's. Um, it's something that I you, I haven't heard in a lot of um, his other stand-up specials. And his stand-up specials are very repetitive. Like, it is like he has, like, a, you know, an act. And he has, like, yes. jokes that he tells. But yes. um, at, there is times, and in this early one, like, he's on a tangent. Like, this is something he's just, like, going into this dark corner of his mind. He obviously yeah, he was, watches, like, finding himself at that yeah, time. Yeah, and he's obviously watching a lot of porn. And he's just, mm-hmm. like, going there. and But the, at the same time, I think that's really beautiful and interesting as a performer um, to have him act that out. And I'm totally okay with it. I'm not offended. I feel what you're saying on a very deep level, actually. So, yeah, I got you. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I think there's, you know, there's a lot of footage out there like that. Um you know, and he's, but the thing is, again, this was like 30 years ago. So I really don't think that you should like have Bill, cancel Bill Hicks. You can't cancel uh, our dead heroes. Okay. They're dead. If somebody's well, dead, you Michael can't Jackson, cancel. You can't cancel my, I guess you can't cancel Michael Jackson. You know, there's, I mean, we, I don't I really. was just listening to a song the other day at work. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that will, would be like upset about you, you not canceling Michael Jackson because he's clearly a pedophile or whatever. But yeah, I mean, and where do we like to, again, this is different because I actually think, I just think like, um, with dead people, it's different. Um, I also think there are levels like, I mean, Bill Hicks wasn't, um, a fucking pedophile and he also, right. he did ha- a stand-up routine about it. Yeah, he no, did, um, he did stand-up routine. Also, he's, he was in like relationships with women and nothing has come out that he was abusive to anyone he was with. Um, yeah. but in any, like the type to me, but Hey, yeah, I mean, you never, you never know. know, but, um, you know, where do, how far do we go to cancel like, um, artists like, and also like, Again, but this is his content because if, I'm talking like his personal life. Like if, if something did come out about Bill Hicks too, um, about his personal life or some shit, I mean, he's fucking dead. I really would not be like, oh, I'm never watching. I'm never watching a Bill Hicks thing or like appreciating his art because um, his girlfriend from whatever 30 years ago came out and said he was a jerk to her. You know, I'm just not going to cancel him for that. Um but, yeah, I don't know. That, that's just some things about Bill Hicks, like, that um, is something I think we, we should talk about and address because. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, yeah, because I definitely, I'm like, I love him. But, like, yeah, no, everybody's got a dark side. And I think, though, that you are right that visiting that dark side is important. Well, and also just start from here because um, there might be some young, impressionable listeners who have no idea who Bill Hicks is, and then we expose this to them, and they're like, oh, my God. 
Yeah. I can't believe these two evil bitches, like, out of the 20 people that listen to our podcast, um, one of them is a young, impressionable, impressionable Zoomer who has just no fucking clue that um, we're about to introduce them to Bill Hicks. Um, he did have, like, this one line, too, that I thought was, like, like, he was aware, obviously, of his comedy being, you know, um, uh, very not PC when he would be like, you know, I'm available for children's parties. Like, after he would go on, like, some satanic mm-hmm. rant, um, that was his, like, catch line, that he is available for children's parties. Because, obviously, he's not for kids. But not only that, he's really not, like, um, for the internet or Twitter or um the me too movement he's just not um you know he's not a feminist maybe maybe, you know what fuck that he's a feminist yeah i don't i feel like he is um i mean feminism is being like about equality and i mean he really i think that he just he was someone that picked a point of view a lot of the time like he just picked a fucking point of view like you know because i think about like the what you're reading for skit yeah and like no that's not pc because like he, he really talks a lot like slams like these like fucking stupid oh yeah like midwestern like bible bell like blah blah, blah yeah. and which like always like had been it, it has been my attitude and like but like i don't know man that shit's wrong like what you're reading for like that's wrong like i understand this person was like aggressive toward him but like also that person like obviously was not raised in a good situation and not you know so like yeah and i think too i think he was making a joke like that to address that yeah to address the illiteracy subversive which is also why he's not pc oh yeah but I think because Bill Hicks though was was from I mean Hicks is his last name but no but yeah. he was from like uh, the South uh, well Texas mm-hmm. I mean he's from the Bible thumping like the Bible belt yeah yeah like so I definitely think he was making that joke to address that like there's there's illiteracy in these like poor working class um, you know back of the back of the woods neck of the woods what i don't know what are some white trash words for living in the middle of nowhere backwoods yeah (laughs) but like i definitely think he was you know overstates that's one of my favorite ones he was he was like making a comment about that like um gotcha you know there's uh, jokes are like not are like especially jokes that are offensive like um are meant to call out everyone in the room like they're not meant to um you know well unless well people who are pussies who can't take it then they feel alienated and they can't like listen to the joke but otherwise i feel like it's not meant to drag that waffle house waitress um but the culture of the waffle house waitress not not the individual but um yeah, there's, you know, and um, I also, I liked how he, he talks about the consumer as well, like in his jokes, like he talks about consumers culture a lot. And it's something that um, you don't really hear, like, I feel like we're like all kind of placate to the fact that not only do are we today um, 
in a barrage of advertisements, but we are part of the, we are like data is, is part of the advertisement. Like we're completely yeah. like, um, just placate to consumerism. Like it's not even something to be upset about. Yeah. Well, our data is like apparently like super, super valuable. Like it's, it's like one of the most valuable resources and we give it away. Like we're giving it away right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like his um, his jokes like um, a lot like talk about um, us as as sheep consumers, and it's something mm-hmm. that I find resonates um, with how I feel today. It's like, but now it's like we're completely inundated with it. Like for instance, like he was making jokes about the mall, you know, because there was malls back in the day. I mean, yep. was obviously listen to our Springfield mall episode. There's still malls today, but, um, now like, you know, we don't go to the mall, like the mall, like Amazon is our mall and we all are at, in Amazon and Amazon also knows like what we want to watch before we want to watch it. And it also knows what we want to buy based off our order history and blah, blah, blah. Like, they're, like, in our heads um, yep. completely, which is, like, really scary. I don't yeah, hear and your next-door any... neighbor might be seeing something totally different than you are, and it might be sending them completely different messages because they chose different things. And that's yeah. fucking terrifying. Yeah. Could um, be sending them messages about you, you know? And Bill Hicks, too, like, I was, like thinking today like be, I, I was like watching Bill Hicks um last year around this time and um I am like I was like watching it to just feel some kind of like political angst some kind of like that was funny like something like that and mm-hmm. because I don't think any stand-up comedy today um really has that like Nobody really has the into like. First off, I feel like he was um, an intellectual. Like he was talking about, you know, um, you know, the war. He was against the war in Iraq and before and the Gulf War. And this was like before, way before nine eleven, and all this shit was like yeah. really gonna blow up. Like he was talking about like yeah. our us Americans as imperialists and like um the damage that we're doing in third world countries or other countries and you know um and these were like straight from the headlines like he was talking about you know um he was making jokes about ronald reagan um and like how we're enslaving people in honduras like you know um in the quip of like you know a five sentence joke that's something that I don't hear from a lot of comedians doing stand-up today. Um, I don't, yeah. I mean, not that I know of. Well, I actually think, like, stand-up comedy is, I think a lot of comedy has transitioned into podcasts, to be honest. Um, Well, I'm not, why would I lie about that? No, I'm just, (laughs) I'm giving my opinion. Obviously, we're a podcast and we're, we're hilarious. The funniest people. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, like, you know how people might argue that Bill Hicks is not funny? I can't imagine that someone would argue that about us because it's just we're funny to everyone. Let me, I just want to shout out, I feel really bad for our fans because I imagine it's really tough to defend um, our comedic honor. Um, as, oh, yeah. 
I can and, only... and I mean, the fact that they would want to in the first place, that's what I feel bad for them. For. Well, I mean, you'd have to, because we're like not even as close to as funny as Bill Hicks, and I have to defend Bill Hicks being funny all the time. So I can only imagine what our fans have to go through. It must be difficult because people must be, you know, like canceled, ephemery, and like a lot of people think about that on a daily basis. Yeah, because we're so successful. I think that's really what it comes down to is how successful you are is how cancelable 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 that you are. And um, it's jealousy. Yeah. It really is. So and people are so jealous of uh, there was actually an article I read about canceling Bill Hicks like a year ago or something and I was like this shit is fucking ridiculous. I mean, yeah, like, I know. Also, who's writing all of these? Like, I, I read articles all the time, and I'm like, what? And then I'm like, who the fuck wrote this article? What is this shit? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Some, like, fucking intern wrote an article. Like, well, I, I bet I could, like, And you Google happen to read it, and you're like, no. Um, Bill Hicks. I'll just hit Bill Hicks canceled. Oh my God! It's the um, him being banned on Letterman came up from 1993. That's oh pretty... yeah, I forgot that was a thing. Um, so and then I feel like I watched the the stand up, and I, I I don't remember what the stand up was, but you can watch the stand up that got um, that got off. banned. It's called the when Go, he died. The Go they Boy put it up or something. Maybe I don't I don't know. I think I... he played it when Bill Hicks died. Maybe. And the other thing that's interesting, I mean, so him getting banned on Letterman, like, um, is, I mean, yeah, so he was getting canceled while he was even alive, but, um, the, that was because he made an abortion joke and they had a pro-life commercial running and, and the pro-lifers were like, no, you can't have him be doing this joke. Um... So, yeah, I mean, anyone who's got, like, some, you know, I mean, freedom of speech is something that I generally believe in, and, but it is something that has been called into question by left-wing people um, today that are against free speech, like, for instance, on college campuses where, um, for people you know, from the right wing, you know, giving speeches or talks or whatever, and people trying to get them thrown off the campus and everything like that. And so there's a lot um, of confusion there. Um, For me, uh, I don't really understand why people that are consider themselves left wing would would like um, not allow um, certain people to um do their thing whatever well isn't it called like the horseshoe theory or something that like oh the left and the right are fucking right wing enough mm-hmm. and left wing enough like they basically come around to the same exact thing yeah yeah but i like fascism i think it's a lot more than that um because i mean yeah i mean that makes sense it's like I, just the extremism like you start to just kind of contradict yourself because like yeah once you get to a level of extremism where it's just about your views like mm-hmm. yeah like i understand you think i understand that you think like people's views are harmful but like there's a difference between for example donald trump's speech which is like directly inciting physical violence and a hostile fucking like armed takeover of the u.s government and a coup there's that which is not protected free speech 
but then like yeah like you can like i would want to kick the fucking asshole off of campus that like said like to girls that they were going to hell because they had an abortion but like you just can't like because Mm -hmm. you want to be able to say your thing too Mm -hmm. yeah like you just need to explain why they're that's not true um the article that i was talking about that bill hicks bill hicks was a bit of a misogynist that's the article Mm. um and it came out in the guardian yeah it was this time oh 2019 so it's like over a year ago um two years ago but let me see if i can grab some um some text here anyway chloe pets i really need like a tea or something um what can you rose yeah can you make me a tea? Oh my god, thank you. Oh, he's like your little intern. Yeah. But you fuck. Um Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so Chloe Pets is a stand-up, and this is what she has to say. <laughs> if someone came on stage with that energy, you'd think, oh my god, you're an asshole, don't you think? Thinking really? she's talking about Bill He's like He's like, who smokes? All right, now I'm talking about drugs. You know what I hate? The war on drugs. You know what I love? Sex and rock and roll. It felt very reminiscent of the era. So, uh... Uh, he had some I mean, the thing is, like, the, when these people talk about, like, the 90s, it's, like, how we talk about, like, the fucking 50s. Like, yes, it's close to them. Like, yes, I can see how if you were not exposed to that. I mean, I just, like, in the past, like, probably two years, realized, like, I am a fucking misogynist. Like, I was trained to be a misogynist. And, like, I have tried to work it both ways. And it's, like, fucked me up so bad. And, um, like, yeah, like, I can see why someone would feel that way. He also is saying that he be- he thinks this other comedian, this who's a guy, is saying that he thinks Bill Hicks is mansplaining. Seems to be mansplaining in his bit. I mean, I can, again, see how someone who was not alive in the 90s would think that. But, like, especially, I think, with, like, the things about, like, drugs. Like, yeah, like, t- seriously, I was excited that you even wanted to do this topic because, like, probably, like, a two weeks ago we were talking about like new jersey legalizing weed at work and i sent the mandatory marijuana stand up to my coworkers that i was talking to Mm -hmm. um and it's like interesting because i was like listening to it and it's like i feel like most people nowadays are just kind of like yes like it's ridiculous that people like it's like just stupid like don't send people to jail for this it's dumb yeah but like in the 90s like it was still like I grew up being a teenager in the nineties. Uh-huh. I remember Beth being at your house, having conversations with other girls our age about it, and like literally thinking that if we smoked pot, that like we were definitely going to be like doing heroin soon. Like that was it, and like it was as bad as like fucking heroin, and like you, all, I never you know, had that. I mean, opinion. I had definitely. I feel like I was. I was probably like Steph and like her friend or something. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, you weren't happy. talking to me like that. You no, know, it was like definitely like other girls. Um, no, because I, and I also feel like because there was like a time period mm-hmm. before I ever smoked weed that I was coming over to your house a lot, and then like 
after like after a certain amount of time finally you know when we were a little bit older like obviously after I smoked weed like I was like oh like okay this is not gonna kill me like yeah. this is fucking fine yeah um but like we were the dare generation and and Bill Hicks was older than us like he was in a like to them it really was like oh my god like an LSD too like I really only in the past five years like as people are like talking more about like psychedelics and that they're actually like not really like horrible for you like I really thought that like LSD was like poison and it was going to send you over the edge like eventually and like he was talking about these things back then actually like way ahead of his time his yeah. attitudes like I can see how it may seem manslaming explaining about some things but that was that well, it was a different time and also though for him it was so radical to hear someone talking about the war on drugs is a joke like right. that. It's like the, there's like there's a, an ulterior, ulterior motive going on here with our government telling us there's a war on drugs. And that's basically what he was exposing, which was like super radical to be making jokes about. Well, and it was because it was about. like immediately after Reagan, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was Bush, right after it was, that. And yeah. you and I were still getting dare training at the time his stand ups were coming out. Yeah. In school. And the, I do think that he um, was being like some somewhere somehow being blacklisted in the U.S. because he wasn't as popular in the U.S. as he was in um, England. And mm -hmm. I definitely think there was something going on there for that reason, um, that for some reason his comedy was like not really um, taking off in the U.S. Well, he was very critical of the United States culture and government. Yeah. And capitalism. Yeah, and, and capitalism. Um, but here's this more of what this guy is saying in here. Um, so in his goat boy character, he revels <laughs> in these um, pedophilic sketches, which is what I was just talking about. When mm -hmm. he wants to disparage Rick Astley, it's about having no dick as opposed to Jimi Hendrix's big dick. Then there's his repeated references to rape as a moral punishment because Satan rapes like whoever uh, is mm. selling Diet Coke or whatever. For a supposed critical voice who doesn't follow all the other sheep, how on earth did he not realize he was recycling a violent patriarchal trope which has been the bedrock of an impressive system for thousands of years? Because we didn't know what you know yet, dude. Like literally, well, we just didn't. It wasn't a thing. Um, At I, least in my sphere of knowledge, like that's, I was getting very misogynistic, I think. And I'm not talking about just like my immediate family. I mean, like the culture. Uh, but like getting like rape is a moral punishment. Like what? Like if you're getting raped by Satan, that is bad. I don't get it. What's he upset about? Wait, can you read it again? <laughs> Okay. In his goat boy character, he revels in these pedophilic well, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe sketches. he's into like, maybe he's like into like, you know, quote, rape in quotes. Maybe he's like, it's what, not What, the funny. guy who's like saying it's not funny to yeah, get raped by like Satan? rape and that's upsetting. Maybe that was his specific fantasy. I really feel like him. he's being, this guy who's complaining about Bill Hicks is thinking about a woman in the audience who might have been raped and to hear these jokes about rape will then upset her and, and she will like cry like AOC um, did about, you know, the Capitol Hill thing. Ooh. Ooh. Like, you know what I'm saying? 
Wow, I, that was like really too soon. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I thought it was ridiculous. That I mean, she even did that. for me, but I, I don't know. It was like in my immediate thing was like, oh, too soon. But like now, like he, 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 he. no, um, I mean, no, that was the vibe I got, and I also got like, I don't know. I'm, if this is a boy writing this, like I'm getting yeah. the idea that like maybe he got raped. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, like the very, uh, well, I, I well, joke, making rape into a joke. With if he was in him. prison, uh, he probably, that uh, rape is very common in prison. Although, like, you know, so maybe for, for men. I mean, I mean men rape, rape other men and, you know, but, what I, but yeah, I, I mean, fuck, I don't know. Um, But the thing is, I guess I'm saying, like, I think he's thinking about the audience in this way. And I'm kind of like, um, like. It's a really aggressive joke that Bill Hicks is telling, you know, um, really. And the thing is, he when Bill Hicks is like coming after when he's going after advertising and fake celebrity and like consumer culture, he's coming at it angry. Like he's not coming at it like pussyfooting around like he's like, you know, um, he's like, you know, Jesus at the temple, like fucking throwing down everyone's statues and and like wrecking Ooh, all like the shit. It. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like he's not yeah. coming at it from you know this sensitive kind of. Well, again, he's saying it's toxic masculinity that this guy is saying that Bill Hicks has. Um, so I mean, yeah, I guess references to rape as moral punishment um, is is not. Um, very PC, but I really think it would kill the joke if Bill Hicks didn't talk about how big Jimi Hendrix dick is. Um, but I don't know that may that, and that's the thing that's, um, I don't know. I mean, Bill Hicks might call this person like, you know, I, I, you brought it up earlier, like Bill Hicks's background, like, yes, he, I believe I was, he raised like Baptist, like, you know, and yeah, I think he, it was Baptist. I, he suffered a lot because of it and his beliefs, obviously he struggled because he had very different beliefs from where he was raised. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, so really you have to look at him in context. Like mm-hmm. this person who wrote this article is looking at him at a different context, different time, different place. Yeah. And, um, you know, and now that I'm 40, like I can more, what much more like viscerally understand what that means. Like to just like look at things and in, in the context of like time, like when you're 20 years old, like you just don't get it in the same way. Just, you just haven't lived this long. Like you're not mm-hmm. fucking, I'm not like, Oh, like you're, you don't know anything about life. Like, no, you're just at a different stage of life. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing different shit. Like for me, like, I'm not like, Oh, like I have every like option ahead of me. Like, no, you just look at life different and you start looking at like mistakes you made and like shit like that. And like, you see like, I don't know. It's, it, I mean, the person who wrote this article is just like taking this person completely out of context. And I don't know, I guess, because I know the context of Bill Hicks, like mm-hmm. I can say that, but if I just kind of had seen a couple of his stand ups and then read this article, I would probably be like, yeah, he's a fucking misogynist. Yeah. Um, the other part they say he kicks down an awful lot. The fall people are always women, gay people, and Iraqis. Um, mm-hmm. His routines de- devastate delivered devastating one-liners to members of the hospitality industry. Um, And then again, I'm talking when he's telling this joke, he's like making a point about like what this, 
that like illiteracy in poor mm-hmm, working mm-hmm. class, which I think is like totally what, reading, what you're reading for. Yeah, totally legitimate to like make yeah. this joke. Um, but whatever. Um, but and and it's not necessarily though. I do like. There's one part of it that I did find offensive when he was like. Well, for one thing, it's not to end up being a Waffle House waitress. That's, like, his, like, whenever. And, you know, I resent that because um, a lot of people, you know, are working dead-end jobs that read plenty of books. It has nothing to do with that, you know. Um, It's all about, you know whatever you but have to pay the rent yeah so you there's definitely yeah. stuff that kind of like to, it's hard to like it's hard to become like a traveling comedian when like you can't pay your rent yeah and bill hicks i get it i get that yeah. and well and bill hicks was like as far as he was barely paying his rent anyway so i don't know why he was all high and mighty like that but uh yeah, I do I think, notice well, that's the that other part of the joke too. It's like you because he was choosing to better himself by reading, mm-hmm. and she was like, "What the fuck are you doing that for?" Yeah, like it's her attitude. You know, it's the attitude. It's not. Yeah, but I do um, see. I guess like I do see him. I, I don't get the whole Iraqis are the butt of his jokes. Um, I mean, he talks about that a lot because that was like. Again, context, the fucking Gulf War was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, context. But he was, like, critical of, like, the Gulf War, like, in his jokes. Like, he was, like, talking about... Yeah, but I... It, does he do, like, a bit talking about, like... I don't... Does he, like, do accents maybe at some point Yeah, or he does do accents. Even, you know, yeah. it's, again, I mean, taken out of context. Like, yeah. of course that's going to be... Like, oh, like, these poor Iraqis. Like, well, in 1994, uh-huh. it was not these poor Iraqis. In 1994, people that I knew were going there yeah. to kill them. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, like, people's older brothers and sisters were going over there to kill them in 1994. So... Yeah. Um, are you still there? Yeah, it just made me sad to, like, think about that. You know, it's fucked up. It's sad. It's really sad just, again, looking back, um, being the age that I am, just how different it was and how just, like, now everything we know of how that was, like, so wrong. Yeah. And how it was just, I mean, put out there to be, you know, it was, even the media was so different than there was one consistent message and it was like, these people are wrong and we're going to get them. I, yeah, I mean, I just like, as, as much as like all of the, I can, I can agree with what they're saying, um, you know, about his jokes being offensive or whatever. Um, but like, when I think of the alternative which is like a stand-up comic who is completely like not flawed, um, you know, 100% politically correct or whatever. I tend to be like, where's the life in that? Where's the humor in something that is not offensive? I don't, I mean, comedy to me is like, you know, I agree with you. Like, I, I mean, yeah, you should, maybe you should be fucking offended. Maybe that is the point. Maybe you should be really fucking offended at everything that's going around or going on around you right now. Yeah. It's kind of the same. I feel like if there's a stand up comic that ha- where you have this conversation, like 
with this similar that are alive and working today, like um, David Chappelle, like mm. um, I feel like he gets a lot of shit um, because he's he said like some transphobic kind of um, jokes before and um, and he talks about racism. So because of that, it's like a very ugly sensitive topic and because he talks about racism there's a lot that people can get offended by yeah and I feel like he hasn't held back and also like while I would see some misogyny and trans misogyny and Dave Chappelle's jokes or whatever I also see him like and the way he's talked about making those jokes he talks about it in the same way like I'm human I'm working out this stuff and I'm telling these jokes about that so it's yeah. not like fleshed out, okay? It's not like I'm this like all holy knowing being, like which is what I feel like we did the fucking racist confessions for. Oh like, I yeah, feel like that's I mean, the, that was that what that was. I feel like yeah, we have a lot to confront in our society when it comes to um, the stru- like the like structural just basis of how our system works which is systemic racism is a problem and yes like um uh, equality with in in terms of gender is a problem in our society and i think because of that it's hard to make these jokes about this and like talk about it and the thing is if you're going to make the joke you're going to point out the uncomfortable part of it like if you're going right. to make the joke the uncomfortable part is is a part of that Um, so if you're not going to make the joke, you're just not going to talk about it at all. And is that really like, I feel like comedy is like supposed to at least stand up comedy is supposed to be like an aggregator for that sort of talking openly about this sort of shit. Um, it's like the archetype of the jester, right? Like somebody has to fucking say this shit. Yeah. And that's, that's that they're not going to get their head cut off. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? The king's not going to cut off their head because that's their job. and they, But they have to do it in a way that makes you, that like softens the blow. And the, it's not also fair, like out of a 30 year lens to like be critiquing Bill Hicks's comedy yeah. in that way. Yeah. Because absolutely, you don't you don't know how he would have changed as like the time went up, and it's like yes, and it's so sad to me because I just I love him, and well, and also there's a lot like this was like a strain. I mean, stand up comedy in and of itself is a misogynic misogynist profession. Um, because I mean, people are always like, there should be more. There's female stand up comics. Or, and like people make jokes that women aren't funny doing stand up. Like, I'm sure people would don't say that about us at all. But, like, um, right, because it's so funny. But, like, the, the thing time. is, uh, I really don't think yeah, there are female stand up comics. Okay. Yes. Okay. Fine. Uh, Phyllis Diller, hilarious. Um, but, like, I don't think women are as inclined to get up on stage and aggressively like uh spout their opinions as jokes that are meant that are able to make a whole crowd of people laugh because you have to be like um i mean you you have to do you have to have a big fucking dick to do that 
I mean, BDE, you need to have that BDE. Yeah, like big dick energy, like to do that. And and women just we don't have big dick energy. I mean, sure we do. There's that. I'm not. I'm not like. Uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like you are gonna. You would owe an apology if we still had an apology yeah, section. But, but like, but we're not raised to have BDE. And it's certainly not comfortable for most of us because we were told to like shut our mouths. Are and we look pretty our whole life? Are are I'm not I'm not interested. Like I'm not interested to control an entire room of people and make them laugh. I really do think that it's a man thing. Like th- something oh, a some man. Some women are. Some women do want to do that. Uh, I mean, okay, sure. They there are women that that like to okay. Let's not make it like. Our gender is a spectrum, and there's people have more of a female trait to a, a male trait. It's it a doesn't matter. Tra- yeah, it's yeah. a masculine. My it's point. A very yang, exactly. It's a yang trait to have masculine. Like we can talk about it. In that's terms, my point. So it's not offensive. Yes, that's it's my super point. Super yang. Now it's like now it's like everybody's like, oh yeah, like we're spiritual now. Yeah, it's definitely a yang energy. Um, and and I do feminine is going to be more receptive. So that's like the audience, like we love you. And I do think that like, if you put too much of the feminine energy, the, um, yin, if you put too much of the yin into it, it's, you know what? It's not funny. You're not funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, you would I, just be like quiet. You would just be if you were super yin. You would just be like sitting there quiet. And also, you would be like talk to me. A part of a female like is is listening. It's not yelling at people to listen to you. It's it's about listening. It's not. I about... mean, I love yelling at people to listen to me. Actually, um, but I just don't think. Yeah, I mean, uh, whatever. So I'm just saying the fact that. The energy. Yeah, and women is very... who do that are considered to be like mannish. Yes, you're well, absolutely right. Yes, it's con- yes, and women who are in stand. I mean, it was my understanding that it's like extremely difficult for just women to be in those stand-up club environments with these guys and mm-hmm. just how they're you just have to it's like working in any field where there's like a lot of men and they're just like not necessarily fucking nice to you or welcoming or respectful or anything. Yeah. Like, they're just going to do whatever the fuck they do, say whatever they fucking want to say. And, like, enough times is somebody saying shit to you that hurts you or, and is inappropriate and makes you feel unwelcome and makes you really makes you feel unsafe. You're not yeah. going to be staying in that environment. And you're certainly not going to feel like you want to command that room. Or they're going to, like, or they're going to, like, whip their dick out and jerk off in front of you. <laughs> yeah, they're just going to bring you in their dressing room mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, yeah. They're gonna yeah, ask yeah. first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just have to stay there because he, yes, yeah. he asked. Mm-hmm. He could. Jerk I mean, off. that's like a verbal consent, right? You just have to um, ask. Yeah. No. So I'm just. I, I mean, it's I don't. Nice. I'm not like trying. I'm seriously not trying to say that women can't be stand up comics. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I think stand up comedy is a very like aggressive male sort of thing testosterone driven sort of thing and I'm okay with that and because of that I think you're going to and like there's a lot of misogyny just rampant like literally underlining in the jokes because you're you're like manning a room you're you're controlling a room of people to laugh and that well, like also we live in a misogynistic society so like the entertainment would be probably inherently misogynistic yeah i mean well there's also this other great um 
because like Andrew Dice Clay, like is another stand up comic from the 90s who was like super popular. And I mean, he like there's no questioning that he was a misogynist. That was like literally he was that on purpose. That was like the stick of his like whole stand up. But that's and, what I was thinking too. Yeah. Like a lot of other comedians at that time, especially that was what they did. Yeah. That's why they were funny. That was the joke. Um, but there was um a I think it was like Larry King Live interview with George Carlin and he was saying like and and he was like referencing I don't think he literally said Andrew Dice Clay, but he was referencing like why his stand-up's not funny is because he's not going after he's like stand-up comics should be for the underdog. And and that's like what makes a good, you know, um set is that you're you're like up there making jokes for the person um for the underdog because that's what makes it more triumphant or whatever um the whole storytelling process but um you know which i think is really interesting and i really don't think um i don't know maybe bill hicks like was going after um, the underdog in a way, and again, I said this at the start of the episode, in a way of um, making fun of them, but it was like, yes, he was making fun of them, but he was pointing it out in a way that was like a critique meant to implement change, not yeah. not like to be like being gay is wrong or some shit like that. Like he, you know definitely didn't believe that um uh there was like literally like he was telling like a lesbian like joke. saying things to like point out that it was fucked up yeah to say it yeah and well yeah. there was like um again this like tiffany debbie gibson porn scene or whatever oh well yeah. oh the, before that he was talking about george michaels and he was saying that george uh, michaels is was gay you know yeah. And he was like, um, and, you know, and, and he was comparing, like, George Michael's tendency to um, sell his music for advertising, like, made him more gay, you know, which is not cool. But, like, he was saying that women who listen to George Michael's, who like George Michael's, he was saying, well, guess what? You're actually gay. You like women. If you if you're attracted to George Michaels, hey, it's fine. It's oh, fine. He's but gay? no, because George Michaels looks like a butch lesbian. He was like making oh. a joke saying George Michaels looks like a butch le- lesbian. And so if you're a woman and you find George Michaels attractive, that you're actually a lesbian. And he was making this joke. It was like a joke or whatever. And he was making this joke, but he was saying like, you know, and that's okay. Do what you want. God loves you. He he always said things like, God loves you and wants us to, like, there's no judgment. Wants you to, like, do and be yourself and who you are. He always yeah. underlining said that. Like, um, so, I don't know. Well, um, I mean, the, just, I have the Just a Ride thing tattooed on my wrist. And that that whole monologue is, like, very spiritual. I think that he was a very spiritual young man. He died at 33. Like, all this occurred in, like, his 20s. 32. Like, he became a successful comedian extremely young. Like, he yeah. was still really young, probably, in 1989. Oh, like, yeah. How, he was, like, in his early 20s. Like, you know, fucking now he's, like, you know, he didn't, what, I don't know, his ass from a hole in the ground? Or yeah. What's the I thing? can't imagine, like, half the shit that I said 
like uh thinking i was funny in my 20s like being like my yes. my freaking legacy think, of my life i really couldn't imagine that yeah i think about that a lot mm-hmm. like a lot of things that i said and you know it's just like i was a definitely a completely different person then and like very different circumstances very different influences and it is hard to understand if you were not just even born like at that point like you just don't know. And the, I mean, the whole George Michael thing. And okay, so listen, I know this because I have um, George Michael's song Freedom. And I believe it's called Freedom 1989. Um, I have it on a playlist and I hear it. I listen to it a lot. I really like that song. Um, but and like, I really love the video because the video is like, I don't even think he's in it. It's just all these supermodels, like just doing all these sexy things in the video. It's just a hot video. But in the video, he like explodes his jacket from like the face video, like the, the jean jacket with the patches. He like lights it on fire. And there's like a jukebox that I think was also from that video. Mm-hmm. And like the whole song is about how George Michael felt like he was in car, like, you know, he, he became successful, but he was like corporate kind of, you know, it's like, he was like working for the man and he was like doing what they wanted and they wanted him to be straight. And, like, so he wasn't being true to himself and blah, 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 whatever. He's George Michael. He was fine. And he got to make this whole video and become even more successful coming out being gay. Yeah. But, like, that was the context. And, like, there was no even Ellen yet. Like, this shit wasn't on TV. This was crazy fucking wild shit that was going on. Mm. Yeah. And AIDS. Oh my God, he time. he did like say that was a big part of that entire thing. It was like people were coming out as being gay. AIDS was going on. It had been going on for for eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Like it was a thing that like now straight people were. I mean, I don't know. It was just it was definitely again looking at it in context. Like that was like a crazy thing, probably to even talk about at all. It's mm-hmm. super edgy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so his jokes are all in context of what you just described. Like, him talking about his sexuality and him selling his, like, soul and not being true about his sexuality in order to sell... He was, like, a walking commercial. Which is why I think it's interesting that Bill Hicks chose to joke about him. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and... Yeah, so there's, like, um, like I can even see, like, people seeing this episode and being like, oh, God, Bill Hicks, like, and not wanting to listen, um, as opposed to you, how they react to seeing our basic episodes being posted. Right, um, like, yeah, <laughs> like, and then they're going to be, like, they're going to see our face, and be like, yay, and then they're going to be, oh, I did... I uh he was also like some bill hicks things hold on i need to hold on can you hold on a second i actually have to pay oh my god same okay let's let's go go let's go pay
Hello? Are you back Hello? yet? Are you back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. I also, I wonder if you could like hear me peeing. Um, I mean, you seem like you walked away from the phone. I had the phone with me, so I'm oh. sure you could hear me. Oh God. You had the phone with you? Okay. I'm not cutting mm -hmm. it. Like you've so. never heard me pee, please. What? Like said, like you've never heard me pee, please. Oh, I'm no, I've heard you pee. I don't know if the tens of our listeners have heard you pee before. Well, now they fucking have. Anyway, um, I, really know me. I feel like really depressed about um, talking shit on Bill Hicks like we have been. Um, Do you feel like that's talking shit? Oh, that's adorable. I know, right? Because we fucking love him. I like yeah. idolize him. Like in our 20s, we did idolize him. Yeah, and also like... I think uh, I first heard of him through my roommate Amber, and I was like twenty four or something. I don't know. I was in my twenties, and <clears throat> and it was like, and still, even then, and we're talking like, um, so now we're like forty, fucking a. So we're talking like fifteen years ago, like yeah. even fifteen what years ago. Time. Even 15 years ago, the fact, like, thinking about marijuana, like, being legal was, like... It was never going to be a thing. Yeah, that was never going to be Forget a thing. It. So, idea. hearing him tell these jokes even then, and this was still, this was, like, 10 years after he was telling those jokes, it was, like, even then still, like, oh, my God, this is so great. And somebody positively talking about taking mushrooms and, and acid, yes. because this was another thing, like... I mean, for me personally, like my drug experiences on mushroom and acid have been like religious experiences for me and beautiful. And I'm so glad that I did those drugs and the way that like, you know, it's talked about in society. It's like so fear mongering that you don't and like, I'm not saying I'm not saying everyone it's changing go, in what? reality. Most people's experiences are like what you described. Mm -hmm. And it's very therapeutic and moving forward. Hope, I, it, there's a lot of hope for like people with just mental illnesses or just like even just existential angst, cancer, whatever, like people just stop being afraid and shit like, like a miraculous shit happens. And that's yeah. what he talks about. He's like a young boy on acid, uh, realized that like we're all one and there's no such thing as death. Like, yeah. you know, positive drug story. Yeah. Um, and that's like really what it, what it's like, um, when you like come to this understanding, um, and it, you, it's like, honestly, the closest thing to it too, though, is like when, um, a, a close person or loved one dies and you realize like, um, just how like 
precious life is and time that and our time that we spend on earth shouldn't be so held up in like fear and mm. like it should just be all love and you kind of like I feel like for me and my experiences like have gotten that clarity from those sort of type those sort of experiences as well and also I want to believe that there is no such thing as death and we're all one and like th these are some things that are very comforting to me and so I've gotten those sort of experiences through drugs and like that's not something I I like think of it's not negative to me so um a lot of people agree with you yeah so just I, I feel like I'm like rambling on honestly <clears throat> no I think that's what's interesting um, um Ram Das is very like good person to read into if you're interested in like kind of like this I guess because we me and you have been talking about like the Catholic Church and also like Buddhism mm -hmm. and also psychedelics like Ram Das is a really good person to look into for that stuff yeah I'll just kind of all together add that to my 20 million other books right um, well be here now by Ram Das. you've had it I'm sure that I owned it when I lived with you yeah um and I still want to borrow well you're still reading it the George Saunders oh yeah I only have oh. a little bit left of that actually uh -huh. I really just need to finish it um Lincoln and the Bardo yeah I want to I want to borrow it from you yes that. you can borrow it from me <laughs> I'll borrow it from you um, you're welcome you're fucking welcome also i'm more so i'm on finish the dream chapter um and like we were talking i was like um I'm, I'm talking about mind beyond death now people um and i you literally cannot practice a lot of this stuff in this book without a guru right like it's yeah it's super advanced practices that it talks about yeah like i'm and now i'm in like other I'm in like another um, chapter on meditation. I mean, it's all meditation pretty much, um, form, different forms of meditation. But again, they're like a lot. The dream one was the most heavy. Like most of the time they would be like, don't do this without, uh, unless you have a guru. You need a guru. You need blah, blah, blah. They're saying this. But mm -hmm. in the dream chapter, they were like, this could do permanent damage to you if you're like doing this stuff without like an aide or like a personal helper or whatever. Someone who's more advanced than you. Like you're literally not supposed to practice this shit. Oh, I'm going to send you a video. Back. It's called, I think it's called Yogis of Tibet. Oh, okay. I'm sending it to you. They show like all this crazy fucking shit that they do. And it's the same thing. It's like warning, like never, never attempt this. Like these people have basically been living in the mountains their whole lives, like yeah. practicing these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in any case, it's interesting too. I do think Bill Hicks has a Buddhist sort of uh, philosophy to his stand up when it comes to psychedelics and the way he talks about you know we're all one consciousness and death is not you know this is all a dream you know it's just a ride oh like, yeah yeah it's just a ride yeah absolutely yeah. i mean the just i'm like tempted to read the it's just a ride monologue but i won't because i feel like i would just be indulging myself and people can look it up if they want to read it but i find it to be really beautiful mm -hmm. yeah me too um, and yeah, so, and also I, I was, uh, indulgent 
smoker in my 20s. So I loved all his smoking jokes. Right. Like, I, mm-hmm. I loved his self-righteous little smoking quips, which were funny. Um, And, you know, and I'm sad he's not alive today because I think it would be really... Like, this article starts off, this depressing fucking article starts off, um, uh, so it helped with the Too Hot to Handle mythology that Hicks was a prophet without honor in the U.S., where audiences stayed away and his final guest slot slot on Late Night with David Letterman was cut, and it helped morbidly enough that he died at just 32. All those routines, deploring sellouts and squalid compromises retained their power because this Kurt Cobain of stand-up never had the chance to betray his lofty principles in middle age. So they're saying that Mm. he he wouldn't have aged well, which really is fucking Mm. annoying. And I hate this article. Like, and, mm-hmm. like, you don't, not, I mean, you, you don't know, know. You don't know that I could have become, like, a better person. Yeah, and also. I think that I've become a better person than I was in my 20s. They're also like, saying that he, they're predicting that he would have been a sellout, like, because they're saying he wasn't successful in the U.S., which is why, like, you yeah. know, whatever, he had these, like, he, he would have eventually, you know, died. And also they're referencing the same to Kurt Cobain. Like they're saying Kurt Cobain died um, young and it was good for him Mm -hmm. to die young because it martyred him. And they're saying the same thing. And I think that kind of fucking sentiment is really fucked up and really consumerist sort of fucking attitude that uh, is exactly what Bill Hicks was not about. So these people are fucking annoying who wrote this article. That is like really shitty. Um, Because I think... I'm upset that Bill Hicks died young of pancreatic cancer because I think he would have been a really, like, um, cathartic, hilarious voice in the midst of cancel culture. I would be excited. I I would be excited to, to, like, hear, like, how he would critique this whole situation. Um, uh, Especially because he was so radical. Or COVID or any of the shit that's going on right now. Or, like, Donald Trump. Oh my god, him doing Donald Trump routines would have been so fucking good. Oh, I'm so sad. So, um, I am not, um, uh, I do not think it was good for his career that he died. And I think anyone who says that is a fucking asshole. Um, and even though, even Bill Hicks, he probably made a joke about a musician dying. He, he did, this was be, was it before Kurt Cobain shot himself? Like he would, he would make jokes like, "I want my rock stars to blow their fucking brains out." That's the kind of rock star I want. Like, not someone who does car commercials and stuff like that. Um, True. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, '94. You you cut out there. Would you say? I said, "What did Kurt Cobain die like in 1994 or something?" Uh, was it '94? Uh, is, I, think I mean, it's, they had albums that came out in the 90s, but it was definitely the early, ni- maybe it was nineteen. Yeah, 1994. It was 94. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was going to say, Kirk Cobain's birthday is in a few days. Probably, that's probably, you know, Beth, that's probably the year I got my period. 1994. <laughs> I was just thinking that too. <laughs> But I got, cause I got my period in April as well, but it was, I was 14. So it was 1995. 
Yeah, I feel like mine was like in December or something. Um. Oh, sorry. I was looking. Kurt Cobain died April fifth, nineteen ninety four. Um, and huh. I was just saying. I remember. Do you remember? I what I don't remember. I was actually not that into Kurt Cobain. Um, I know you you were and Holly yeah. and you guys were all really into Nirvana. I was not that into Nirvana at the time. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't, I feel like, I feel like I remember seeing it announced on MTV News. I think that's how I remember it. Um, them saying it on MTV News and being like, what? Oh, I mean, do you, there was like a big candlelight vigil and like Courtney Love like read his suicide note and like, it will like now thinking back, I'm like, that was fucking crazy. Like that definitely, like she definitely read his fucking suicide note. Like yeah. and cried and like, oh my God. And like, you, that up. was, I really liked whole. And mm-hmm. I got into Nirvana definitely like after he died. Yeah. More so. Um, but yeah, she is fucked up, dude. She's crazy. Yeah. And she took advantage of him and it's, like, terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about, like, I'm a fucking misogynist. Like, she is, like, a psycho. She's a Lady Macbeth. She's a psycho. Mm. Well, there was, there was actually a Kurt Cobain documentary that's, like, a long interview with him on Amazon that I watched recently. It's yeah. no video. It's, like, all audio. And then there's, like, the images are all just, like, scenes from, like, Aberdeen like Washington where he's from and stuff and Seattle like it's just like documentary style and then the interview plays underneath it um but it's a really candid interview with Kurt Cobain and um but it's it's very I really liked it though Kurt Cobain um I I was like wow he was so young like in this interview like honestly like he sounds like kind of like a Holden Caulfield kind of being like everybody's fake I hate everyone he kind of sounds like an asshole um and but like there's like then there's moments where he says something that really like resonates you know but a lot of the times he sounds like a little jerk and somebody I wouldn't have liked um but in that way it's a really honest interview and I really liked it I forget what the hell it's called but I'm sure interesting um let me, I don't know. I feel like. I would like to watch it. Um, yeah, it. I feel like, but you know what? I don't know. Even, because Fiona Apple, I revisited this recently. Around that time, Fiona Apple, do you remember when she, like, was at the MTV Music Awards and she was like, this world is, like, fake. And she's like, you can't, like, judge yourself by this world. Do you remember that? What? Who? Okay. Do you remember Fiona Apple? I mean, I liked Fiona Apple when I was in high school. Right, but do you, I know, we both did. But, like, do you remember there was, on the MTV Music Awards, her acceptance speech, she was like, this, she was like, this world is fake, and, like, talking about, like, the Hollywood world, I guess. Um, And at the time, everyone, like, made fun of her and was like, she's an asshole, and blah, blah, blah. But, like, actually, when I went back and listened to the speech, like, it really made a lot of sense. And But I don't know. I feel like Kurt Cobain was, like, really did feel like that whole thing was, like, fucked up. Like, the whole business. The music industry. 
Yeah. Yeah, like, but he like also he really like it was fucked up. wanted it though. Like well, he wanted to be and a rock star. Handle it too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, and I, so here's the the documentary is called About a Son. And, and is it told, do they say like that he actually really wanted it more than he acted like like he pretended to not want it, but he really wanted it? Like yeah, and you can behind the scenes. Yes, and you can like in this interview, it's an intimate audio of journalist Michael Ezerad's interviews with Kurt Cobain. Um, you can really tell because, but at the same, I think he was like, I don't think it was like so much. I think it was like. More like he was just at odds with himself. I don't. I don't think he was being fake in one way or the other. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Like I don't think he was being fake one way or the other. I think he was more at odds with himself. And but the point is, like when I l- listened to it, I was like, "This is a twenty six, twenty five, twenty six year old kid." And like I guess from my perspective now that I'm older listening to it i'm like this guy is such an idiot oh my god i know because he's just a young guy like he was just like figuring yeah. it out i don't know it's really sad so and in any really case sad. just again this is again with bill hicks like we're watching stand up when he's like 26 27 yeah. you know mm-hmm. like this is like somebody i don't know it's a lot of attention so so yeah. there's a lot that you can a lot of pressure and there's a lot that you can critique from it and judge. Um, and it's, I don't know. He was a young, he was a young man. So it's kind of messed up. Like, yeah. Shut the fuck it up. was really messed up. And yes, you know what? People do tend to like idealize like those who die young, who are very like promising. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing that happens. That's how it is. Um, our human psyches just do that shit. It's like they become these, heroes because they're never gonna they are never gonna fuck up like it's done like they did what they did and it was awesome and like you know especially as i feel like for any human being as you get older and like i was saying like you start to like see your faults like you everybody gets like that when they get older like there's always because the world changes and like you get perspective and somebody like who dies young like doesn't have to do any of that so like you know they get idealized um james dean that's another person who who died perfect and young janice the 27 club janice joplin Jimi hendrix you were already talking about Um, keep going. I'm getting some food. Oh, I don't know. That was the end of my list. What are you eating? Sorry, I'm eating again during the podcast. That's okay. I didn't say anything that whole time, so. Oh, great. Way to go, Marnie. <laughs> I was done. I was done my list of people. I don't have any more. Um, I'm eating a fake BLT. Oh, again? Yeah. That's awesome. I, but yeah, I really want a fake BLT. They were out of tomatoes at the grocery store. Because everyone's freaking out because of the storm. Yeah. 
Um, so there's literally no fucking tomatoes. What the hell? How do you round you tomatoes? Need, you gotta make sure you have tomatoes. Yeah. When you're hungered down. I was like, yeah, all these Just people. Just the necessities. Anyway. So we got cucumbers instead. So it's bacon, lettuce, and, and cucumber sandwich. That's probably delicious. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is just a BT, a fake BT. It's just a fake bacon and cucumber. Well, what else do you have on there? Is it mayonnaise? Do you do mayonnaise? I don't know. Is there mayonnaise on this? No. Yeah, there's mayonnaise. What's on it? It's mayonnaise, cucumber, and fake bacon. Mmm. Um, what are you having for dinner? Well, I already had some, and I am looking forward to, like, getting hungry again and eating more. I made a pasta bake, and it's really easy. It's just, like, um, chicken broth, garlic, lemon juice, um, and then you just, like, put the pasta in the pan, and you just, like, pour everything in there, uh-huh. and you just, like, bake it. And it cooks the pasta, and then at the end, like, you put in whatever you want. So I put in shrimp and uh, spinach, just frozen shrimp and spinach, and wow. some cheese on top. Mm. Yeah, really, really good, and it makes a really delicious sauce. What kind of cheese? Uh, just, like, mozzarella cheese. Like, it's just all, it was easy, like, mozzarella cheese out of a bag. Mm. And a lot of Parmesan cheese. Oh, yeah, you like to do that. Yeah, a lot of sprinkled cheese. Um, I remember that from living with you. I remember you used to do, um, you used to get clam sauce. Yes, oh my god, I fucking love that. This is like that, tastes like that, if you put in a lot of garlic. That's a good, that's a good quick pasta meal. That like yeah, mixes it out. Yeah, incredibly easy. Uh-huh. Cheap. Um, we used to do spaghetti squash a lot. Oh, spaghetti squash is awesome. I remember you used to do, like, London broil. I do remember that. I remember that one time it turned out really good. I feel like I made that one time. Well, I remember another You Maybe it was um, the stroganoff you made a lot. Oh, yeah. I used to make that all the time. Hamburger helper, beef stroganoff. Yeah. I still make it. Love it. Gus doesn't like stroganoff. So. Oh, that's too bad for Gus. I know. Missing out. I mean, every once in a while, and obviously we don't do beef. I make it with mushrooms. Yeah, that's good, too. And I'll just make it, like, and I'll just pretend, like, I didn't know that he didn't like it. Like, or that I forgot. That's what I do. (laughs) So good. Such a good plan. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Because he'll eat it, you know, but... Just so, yeah, just so you won't yell at him and punish him. No, I mean just so I can I can get to eat it every once in a while because it's I like stroganoff. I love stroganoff, and um, I like it with mushrooms. Like I would love to just get a bunch of actually different types of mushrooms, some uh, portobello mushrooms. I well, I, you know what? I made like a mushroom one, and that's the night that I made it with. The veggie crumbles, but I put beef stock in it, so it was not actually vegetarian, but it was still, like, I feel plant-based. Mm. But I put, like, 
actual mushrooms in there and it was delicious. And I feel like if you did that with like portobello mushrooms and whatever different kinds, it'd be good. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so let's do closing thoughts on Bill Hicks because um, I go to church. This wasn't interesting anymore. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. This is this is the podcast that I get to say what I want on. <laughs> My okay. recipe ideas are important. Um I did I I have read Kurt Cobain's um biography. I did read that oh, yeah. a while. I read it a while ago. Um it's really not that good. It's kind of short. I mean, well, uh -huh. um, it's like, well, I mean, it's written, you know, it's not written by him. It's good. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. Right. That's why it's a biography. Beth, fucking asshole. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I thought I would like, I would get, gain some like insight to his process or something like that. But it was more like. You know, just how I grew up and all that shit. Yeah, like the facts of what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not really so insightful. Like, <clears throat> like Steve Martin's um, Born Standing Up is like, I mean, obviously he wrote it, but if you're yeah. interested in stand-up comedy, like he wrote like his whole process and it's like really interesting like reading mm -hmm. and I guess like I was wanting to get something out of that with the Bill Hicks but it was like really just stupid but it was interesting I did learn about um he was writing a tv show for the UK before he passed away that never Bill Hicks I, uh, interesting mm -hmm. I remember reading that when he was like dying he reread the um Oh shit! What was the Hobbit from? What's his face? The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, I remember reading that when he like was dying. He reread the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I don't know if that's true, but apparently he loved it. What a nerd! I don't know. I thought it was like a nice story. It made me be like, huh? I wonder what like if I knew I only had a limited amount of time, what works would I revisit in that I know. time? That's actually I thought it was kind of actually inspiring. Oh, you thought it was inspiring? I'm depressed by that. Oh, no. Well, the, what, that that would be his choice? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's depressing. I mean, I agree, but whatever, you know, floats his boat. I don't know. I geek out on certain things like Bill Hicks. Well, I guess the Lord, uh, of, the Rings, like... the Lord of the Rings does have kind of a afterlife thing towards at the end. Yeah, I mean, people life. who love it, like, are super into it. I don't know about it. But, yeah, I feel like there's, like, a whole philosophy you can, you know, life lessons and such. Well, also, no, just the, um, like, living forever shit. Like, they're just in the, um, like, the one guy 
whatever, Bobo Baggins. I don't know who the fuck any of their names are. Frodo Bobo Baggins. <laughs> what a name. I just, I, my memories, seriously, I have never been into fucking Lord of the Rings. Do you want to know why? Because when I was a child, there was a cartoon called The Hobbit. Mm. And it was on a lot. Like, it was on TV a lot. And you know what? It was fucking creepy. The animation was creepy as shit. Like, I, I hated it. And I feel like it was on all the time. Like, I feel like I still saw it like multiple times. And then comedy or uh, fucking South Park made fun of it with Lemmy Winks. That was definitely about that cartoon. But anyway, yeah, I, I just, yeah. And it was about Bilbo Baggins, like, oh, and like this guy was narrating it. And it was just so creepy. Mm. But Bilbo Baggins really gave me that visceral response. Made but me like, realize why I don't like Lord of the Rings and I'm not open to it whatsoever. Like hobbits and elves, they live for like hundreds of years. They live a really long time. So? I don't know. I feel like there's something about the uh, immortality, a philosophy. That you would want to read if you were dying. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense why Bill Hooks would want to read such a dumbass book right before he died. People love that shit. Like, Maybe I, I mean, do I don't know. I might rewatch the Back to the Future trilogy. I'm sure a lot of people that, think well, that was really stupid. <laughs> I'm rewatching Six Feet Under now. Oh, uh, yeah. You- that's what, yeah. I mean, there's a certain. I bet you. I. It, the, feeling i got that it was like comforting childhood thing like that i feel like a lot of us actually in the recent time of crisis have been going to you know mm. with some things to feel I, i've always rewatched um tv shows and it's because well, i do too there's no good tv shows like now so you have to rewatch yeah. shows yeah we just finished watching dirty rock today and um it was sad that we are done it. I don't know if I could watch that show. I don't think, I don't think what's her face is funny. Tina Fey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think she's funny. Yeah. I don't think she's funny. And, um, so I don't know. I don't think I would be able to watch that show. That's fair enough. I liked it. I think it's a great show. I did not. I mean, when it was on, I thought it was funny, but like, I actually really, really enjoyed rewatching it. That reminds me, speaking of being offensive, it seems like the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is able yeah. to be really offensive and get away with it. Well, it's, it's like meant to be. It was a type of comedy. It was supposed to be. Is that like so? But it, Bill Hicks, I think, is meant to be offensive. So why are yeah. people saying he's going to get canceled if he were alive today? I don't know. I'm sure certain people feel like Always Sunny should get canceled because they've seen offensive things. I have yet to see anyone come after a toy song. Philadelphia is offensive. (laughs) Although I have heard... As Philadelphia, we are offensive as a collective to everybody else. I feel Philadelphia is offensive. Yeah. So that's just the show. Well, that was an afterthought. It being taking place in Philadelphia. It was going to take place in LA. Oh, huh. And the I don't know whoever they were pitching the show to was like, why don't you make it take place in Philadelphia? And they're like, okay. I think it was a good move. It was. That was like, that was good advice from whoever told them to do that. Yeah, it gave it like different a character. Yeah. And yeah, because there's like a million shows about uh, 
and actors in LA, which was like the basic uh, premise of it before they were like actors in LA that were douchebags. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just yeah, no, this is so much better. Yeah, like, it is. What they did is because so Philadelphia just, like, shiftless alcoholics like Philadelphia work at a bar. Yeah, and Philadelphia is like so much more of a grittier. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Shout out to gritty, but like yeah, grittier sort of character to it. Whereas LA mm-hmm. is like not relatable in that way. Um, and it would be like yeah. a different kind of offensive, like, um, mm-hmm. like, yep. I don't think people in LA can be offensive. Like people in Philadelphia can be offensive. Well, right. Like that's the thing. It's like here and like Boston, like you can have shows there and you can do way more offensive shit. Yeah. Because, because we're, we're like, those people are just gritty. Like, which is or no, the they're, they're just like, gritty. they're just Waffle House waitresses. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the, yeah, and there's like other like the South, like there's stereotypes about all different, um, you know. But anyway, uh, yeah, cultural elites can't make jokes like um, they can on "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," and cultural elites, the like, are the coastal elites live in LA, so they can't make the same jokes. Right, and New York. Although I have heard that um, <clears throat> some uh, "It's Always Sunny." Uh, episodes have been cut from like hulu and netflix they've taken some off i've noticed that in a lot of series that i've watched there's always like a couple but i don't know why you know and it's like i'm always like uh is it really something that people care about or is there a celebrity on there that like did something well i think it's and they don't want people to see it I think it's because it's offensive and they're like, they don't want to deal with it. So they're like, mm, like yeah, they don't need that shit. That yeah. makes sense actually. So it would just avoid it. Um, but that's kind of fucked up because yeah, not that I haven't watched, I haven't watched like a single episode of it's always sunny in Philadelphia and I don't think I ever will. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I think it sucks that, you can't watch every single episode because somebody thinks one thing is like just too over overboard and offensive. Like people should be able to make those decisions for themselves and they're paying money on these streaming platforms for a subscription. Yeah, I agree with you. And if you're paying money, like I just think that's fucked up. Um, well, I mean, you know what? Back in the day, ooh, you're in being old, but like if you had HBO, you just didn't watch it at certain times of day or whatever. Like, you just didn't watch the thing you didn't want to watch. Yeah. It wasn't a problem that it was there. Like, it shouldn't be a problem yeah. that it's there. Like, it's not It's not like playing without your consent even. Like, you have to physically go to that episode and play it. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe there could be, like, a warning to be like, if you're offended by abortion jokes, like, just don't, don't watch, watch the pilot episode. Trigger warning. Um... Yeah, I guess that's all Bill Hicks had to do before he did his stand-up was come out and be like, look, I I know I say I'm available for children's parties, but I want you all to know that it's actually not good to have me do stand-up at children's parties because I do some really sick jokes about pedophilia and that would not be okay. (laughs) And and gay people lesbians. And I talk about rape and, um, you know, so... I'm naturally I'm actually not available for children's parties, so just tie that up there. Um, Which is why you and I have our trigger warnings and our, you know, suicide hotline. I just did a clap there. Oh. That's does a, that mean we're done? No, that's a stand up comedian joke. 
thing. Oh. Um, which is I learned in Born, Born Standing Up. That one thing that stand-up comedians do to get a laugh, like, is they clap or stomp or something, and it just knee-jerk makes the audience laugh. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Like, you tell, a, you tell a joke and you just go like that, and then people will start laughing, even if it's not funny. Interesting. Um, it's weird, too. When people are in an audience environment, they do, I feel, it, there's definitely, like, a group think, like, sheep mentality. Yeah. Like, you just, I feel it when I, like, you, you're like, is it time to do this? Especially growing up Catholic. Yeah. Is it time to stand? Is it time to sit? Is it time to, yeah, so fucked up. Sorry, no offense, Beth. I know you're going to church. Um, I this. wish I could remember, oh my God, I feel so bad. Um, but I think I've talked about her before on the podcast, which is this, is it, well... There's an artist, like, comedian, but she <clears throat> does, she, like, just, she very, very dryly tells rape jokes to an audience, and it's basically the whole point is to, like, like, it's about, like, challenging groupthink, like, and, you know, how people react to jokes and stuff, but I can't remember her name. I feel like her name's, like, Christine... Shit, but there you yes exactly exactly and that's a great illustration and i can imagine like at first people are like oh, and yeah like when you start being like dude that's too fucked up or whatever the response you know what i mean is supposed to be um, um i'm trying to find this fucking artist's name because it's really gonna bother me oh <clears throat> vanessa place that's her name okay cool um yeah i don't think you can find her like stuff like literally online but i think she did make a uh a book of it Mm -hmm. anyway i'm sure i can read about her yeah you you can read about something other than youtube it's they them you can read you can read about them just kidding i'm Mm. kidding i'm kidding i I just made i was making a non-binary joke yeah, I got it, Beth. Which I is basically it. me just trying to make you feel uncomfortable about gender. I mean, I don't really. Are you uncomfortable? No, I actually don't really care about any of that very much. Um, okay, so. I just wish people would fucking get over it. And I do feel bad that people have to fight so hard to just have people respect what they, how they want them to treat them. Bill Hicks, we love you. It's we just, do love you, Bill It's Hicks. just a ride. Thank you for teaching that to us. And um, I don't think we paid you a very good tribute here, but we tried our best. I love it that you ended with a prayer directly to Bill Hicks. Yes, because I love him. Like you... <laughs> and love he it. loves me. I mean, sure. He's our, I mean, yeah. he's very much of like a has Christ type of vibe. He died at the same age. Yeah, he did die the same age. Well, well I mean, he died when he was 32. That means he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Wasn't Jesus 33? Oh, what was Bill Hicks, 31 or something? 32. 32. Well, close enough. Um, And also, we don't have the sections of the podcast anymore. So I wanted to do moments of silence for the sections of the podcast. 
But okay. now we're like kind of running out of time. Um, let me see. How many sections of the podcast were there? We did racist confessions, the apology section, the Delco section, the recap section. Um, is that all of them? Racist confessions. Delco. Sorry. Apology section and the recap section. Four sections. All right, let's do a moment of silence for each. Oh, and the Patreon section of the podcast. We don't actually have a Patreon, but we used to have a Patreon section of the podcast. We are no longer doing sections of the podcast because we're just sick to death of doing it. It's just one moment is fine. We don't have to do individual ones. Um, I think we should do individual ones. A minute You're each one. so, like, just dedicated. Okay. Beautiful. Moment You're of beautiful. silence. Moment of silence for racist confessions. I can't do moments of silence without laughing. Or talking. No, I just have been laughing this whole time. I can't do this anymore. That's messed up. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. We, that was a minute. Okay. Uh, bye, <laughs> racist confessions. A minute. Okay. Ready? Um, moment of silence for the apology section of the podcast. <laughs> Okay. Uh, by by apology section. Okay. Moment of silence for the Delco section of the podcast. <laughs> Maureen, can I call you after I get home from church? Um, I don't know if I'll still be up. Hmm. All right, whatever. I'll talk to you later in the week then. Dude, who's the cat that you sent me? Oh, that's someone I clean for. I love their cat. So it's I fucking it. so cute. And Isn't I actually, he? I love the room. I love the picture. It's awesome. He is so freaking cute. I, I love this he's cat. His so little much. face. I'm like, want to steal him. It's like, he's got this like big little snoot. Like, and he like totally posed for that picture too. He is such he's a like cutie. confident. Yeah. He is. I love him. Yeah. Really in love with that cat. Yeah, he's like, this is where the magic happens. Oh, he's shit, sitting on a bed. Everyone, I didn't know that's an animal print bed. Oh my god! 
All right, moment of silence for uh, <laughs> moment of silence for what are we on to next? We did uh, racist confessions, apology section, Delco. Did we do the apology section? I think we did. Uh, moment of silence for no, the theme song is not going anywhere, asshole. Oh, the theme song is the best part of the podcast. Yeah. It's like the point of doing the podcast. It's like the only good part of the podcast, actually. Okay. Um, I mean, exactly. Let's see. Uh, I've lost track. All right. I mean, it's stupid. Buy sections of the podcast, buy Marine, and buy Bill Hicks, and I'll talk to you later in the week. Okay. I got to go to Love church. You. Bye. Love you, too. Enjoy. And yeah, say hi to God for me. Yeah, I'll send you an Ash Wednesday selfie. Oh, my God. Please. Okay. Thank you. Love, Love it. it. All right. Takes me back. Bye. Bye. Podcast. Do, do, do. Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Whorehouse on the hill. From Delco. Whorehouse on the hill. Oh, yeah, that's a whorehouse on the hill. Two house. Two house. Don't roll your skirt too short. Everybody's gonna wanna be up in that shorts.